You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. What's up, guys? Welcome into Good Morning Lambo. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can email us, Packers Total Access at gmail.com. You can text us 865-658-5824. I'm joined alongside Emilio down here live in Tennessee. we got a special guest on this morning, Mr. Chris Haddad, Coach Haddad. I'm really excited about having him on here to, to basically say, all right, everything you knuckleheads have been talking about, let me let me clean this up for you, okay? Let me give you what's really going on. But uh, you can check him out, obviously, at victorysports.com, and it's spelled V-I-Q-C-T-O-R-Y uh, sports.com. And if you guys are, like, looking for, you know, just teaching materials, if, if, you're, if you're like, man, I really don't know where to start in learning the game, I'm telling you, you need to check their website out. It is phenomenal. He's got over 15 years of coaching experience now. We're going on 15, I believe it is. Yeah. And uh, obviously, you guys creating a family family legacy up there, man, coaching together. I absolutely love it. How you been, Coach? Good, good. I appreciate you having me back on. You know, I remember, like I said, it was right around this time last year. I was on here, too, talking uh, a little bit about quarters coverage. And it's nice to come on here and talk a little bit about, you know, what Jeff Halfley is going to have brewing up uh, at Lambeau this year. So I'm excited for you all having me back on. Definitely. And we got we got to let the listeners know how this came about, too. You – uh you you had some notifications blow up the other day, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was uh like, you know, I, I try to keep the Twitter notifications just off on my phone because if not, right. I'm looking at it for every two seconds. But I just happened to open up Twitter and I had over a hundred notifications. And I was like, usually when that happens, either there's drama going on, uh, I said something wrong. I don't know. Like yeah, there's right. a million different things that, that happen when you get that many notifications. And somebody found uh, a tweet that I put out last year. I believe it was at a glazier clinic. Or it was a football clinic that Jeff Hathley was speaking at, and I just put up a couple slide, uh, a couple clips that he had of playing press coverage, and someone in the and Packer Nation got a hold of it and uh, you know made a comment about it, and then it just flooded, and everyone was just talking about this man coverage technique that uh, that Coach Hathley plays and his philosophy kind of on man coverage, and I just covered it from a small basis, and yeah, it took off and just ran like wildfire. It's been a big, uh, a big, you know, point of discussion. As soon as it's first, first of all, the the coach Halfley hire caught everyone off guard, right? We twelve sixty five, yeah, yep. Twelve sixty five Lombardi do an excellent job of keeping everything under wraps, which I appreciate as a fan. That's the way we like it, right? Yeah. But when he was hired, immediately everybody went, "Who? Like, what? What? Who? Who is this guy?" So immediately everyone starts digging, and there's a certain portion of the fan base that they want press man, right? So they're like. They're looking for any anything they can grab, press man. And uh, as soon as as soon as he was hired, that's what it was was just you know press man, press man, press man. Which he has been you know quoted several times talking about you know the importance of press man and everything. But there's been several times he's quoted other aspects of the game as well, right? I've got a quick video just kind of talking about his scheme and what I'm most excited about with this coach is it sounds like Halfley is very very adaptable, right? And you have to be in the league. Obviously, we pointed out over and over and over that. You know, even the team, I think the Atlanta Falcons ran the most man coverage in the entire NFL last year. They only ran it 40 percent of the time. And mm. I think sometimes people create this this false kind of, uh, I don't know, security, I guess you could say in their mind. that Hey, all right, we got us a coach now that's going to come in here and run 60, 70, 80 percent. Mm. Man, obviously it's not going to happen. But uh, this video, the, the interviewer does a good job of asking him about his scheme. And really what co- what what Coach Halfley does is he's, he talks about you know, the difference between the college game and the pro game. And, and I'm sure it's even more, you know, there's even more difference at the high school level, like where you coach, right? It's just constantly right. changing, evolving, everything. But here's what he had to say about that. Then we're going to jump right into you explaining to us knuckleheads what to expect with some of the man coverage technique and everything. Here we go. Mention your, uh, you know, kind of what you believe in on defense. What What is that? If someone says, what is the Coach Halfley defense? What? How do you describe it? We've been more middle-closed defense with a safety in the middle of the field than probably most people in college football. Yeah. Um, most people are some type of too high quarter space, and I get it for the quarterback run game. So mm-hmm. we've had to kind of trend in that direction as well. But I've, I've done a lot. 
I've done a lot, at least the starting point with the middle close with four down linemen. Um, very similar. We did in San Francisco and Ohio state and a lot of people doing in the NFL. Um, but I've started to adapt and create different one high shells, which really play like two high shells and get extra guys in the box. Yeah. You just got to stop the quarterback run game. So it's yeah. a different, it's almost when I talk to my friends in the NFL and we talk defense together, it's almost a different game. Yeah. I mean, cause the quarterback in the NFL, they're going to run it in big moments or in the red zone or on third down yeah. or in a championship game. Right. Mm-hmm. But you can't do that week in and week out. Yeah. And you got to account for an extra guy. Yeah. So you got to change. Yeah. Um, and those are, and then you can go, I, I joke sometimes unbalanced. It's, you can't do that in the NFL. It's like, yeah. we're defending unbalanced formations. There's a field and a boundary yeah. in college football where in the NFL, the ball's in the middle of the field, the whole game. Yeah. It's a different game. Yeah. Um, and it's been fun to, to follow it. So just to kind of, you know, like I said, the thing I was most impressed about whenever he, anytime, anytime you find a video of him sharing, he just seems like he's very, very knowledgeable. Obviously yeah, you don't get to that sure. level and coach as long as he has. I think he's been coaching since 2001. Uh, most of our listeners might not even be, a, have been alive at that time, <laughs> but you know, it's yeah, like, yeah. It, you know, the way he approaches is it, look, you've got to look at it from all angles. Right. And what they did in San Francisco obviously came from the Seattle Seahawks kind of coaching tree with Sala mm-hmm. and bringing that Legion of boom. And then Sala comes down and, I love hearing Sean McVay and some of those guys talking about how they thought he was running quarters coverage the majority of the time. And like, now we're actually running cover three, but they were just showing it in a quarters look. So anyway, middle field close. That's something that we, we did a lot of this year in green Bay, actually, if I remember correctly, just to kind of set the stage here. Um, Let's see middle field close. Yeah. They were middle field close 52% of the time. So again, you know, some Packer fans are convinced that we just played middle field. Oh, I'm sorry. We, we, that we played middle field open the entire time. It's just not the case. You see at the very bottom there, those two, those last two numbers, uh, you got middle field close 52% of the time that was fifth most in the league. And then you had middle field open 36% of the time that was 26 most in the league. So obviously those are end results. Those are not pre-snap sugar. It's late rotation, but they you know, with the Fangio style, they're trying to show two on the shelf the entire time. Right. So mm-hmm. um, I think with him stepping in, the stage is set pretty well for him. Right. But we're definitely going to see more man coverage. There's no doubt about that. I think that that man coverage number will probably get closer to 30, maybe, maybe even exceed 30%. But what are we to expect as far as how Halfley teaches man coverage? You got the floor. I'm going to yeah. share. Yeah. So I guess I'll start by, you know, prefacing, but I guess before we share my screen here, I'll just talk a little bit about just mm-hmm. on, you know, philosophy in general, just on man coverage. And I think it's good to understand where coach Halfley's come from, right? He, he coached Richard Sherman. He coached Joe Hayden, uh, Dow Revis in college. Like he's coached probably the, the, like if you had to point to anybody in the league who has the most experience coaching elite cornerbacks, I think he probably has the title just on everybody that he's coached. So um, I think for someone to step in right away and just be able to coach the corners at high elite level, that's like you're getting your guy in that aspect of it. So um, what is unique about his style of, of man coverage teaching? And I guess we can share my screen now. I can kind of go through it. So I'm going to pull I, – I have a clip here just on like my high school, but – I've been fortunate enough to, I'm from Massachusetts, you know, Coach Affey was at Boston College. So I've been, I sat in on probably four to five of his clinics when he talks about specifically press coverage and man coverage. So uh, I think I'm pretty well versed to talk about this and just a technique standpoint. And I pull up a clip here just from my high school and this is what he teaches. I've adapted it because I I really love the technique and uh, the really the difference between like how the rest of the NFL teaches press coverage and how he teaches his press coverage and you're going to get a little bit of flavor here from it so uh initially yeah initially what you're going to see and i wouldn't doubt if you saw this press coverage if he taught both of it because a lot of coaches will go in and i know for me personally and i got this from him right from the horse's mouth if a guy can do this technique run it if he can't go back to the old way of doing it right like whatever makes the guys most comfortable so typically in the nfl what you're going to get is if you notice a lot of times you play press coverage, you'll notice what's called a motor out technique. Okay. The guys will have their feet and they'll simply just shuffle back slightly. Okay. They're going to give ground as they're moving back. And the reason why you see a lot of defensive backs do this is because you're facing guys like Amon Ross St. Brown, like all these elite receivers, you got to give ground to be able to run with them. Cause if not, those guys will blow by you right away. Okay. So I, again, like going back to, I wouldn't doubt if you still see some corners at the Packers play that technique just because uh, if there is a speed differential, you got to be able to account for it. But right. getting into the technique he teaches, 
if you notice uh, this player right here that's playing defensive back, watch his foot. He takes an outside step. It's called a timing step. So what uh, Coach Athlete teaches is you're going to take that timing step and then you're going to shoot a hand, okay? And the reason for that is that timing step allows the receiver to do all of his left, right, right, all of his uh, one, two cadence, one, two, three cadence, and I'm not giving up ground. I'm forcing the release of the receiver right now, okay? So if you notice, he takes his timing step and then it's small shuffle steps from there, but you see how the receiver does his little one, two, three, which you see every receivers do. But, the, but because I didn't shuffle out of there quick and I stayed in the fight and just took that lateral step to the outside, you're forcing an inside or outside release from the wide receiver, okay? And if you notice here, he goes to the inside. Now, why is that important, okay? A, if you think about in that chart you just pulled up too about how much pressure teams will bring, right? If I'm playing man coverage or some sort of press coverage, I'm probably bringing some sort of pressure on the back end. Or if I am just rushing for that – elite pass rush is going to get there in time so the longer a receiver wants to go you know and do all that left right stuff that pass rush is closing in on that quarterback so a lot of times you'll get these receivers that will release now you know i know this receiver right now i'm showing you on screen is exaggerating a little bit where he's you know in his sweet time for one two three right. yeah you won't see that until you get closer to the goal line right but if you're looking uh into like your own uh, 20 yard line or, you know, your own half of the field, I should say, you're probably going to get a release now. And the reason what this timing step does, right. If I just take that step right there, it forces the inside or outside release. Well, why is that important? Think about the route tree when you get an inside or outside release, right? If I get an outside release, what I pretty much just eliminated about 75% of the route tree because you're not going to run an outside route to get to a post because you lose your leverage, right? So if I run an outside route, I'm probably running an out, a comeback, or a fade ball, right? So as a corner, I just eliminated all the middle of the field routes from the route tree, and wow. now I can just play on your near hip. And if it's a back shoulder fade, I can play through the hands. If it's a fade, I can turn my head around and get to it. So you know, all of that, believe it or not, is eliminated just by taking that outside step, that outside timing step and force wow. the wide receiver to get into his route right now as opposed to having to shuffle out. Because think about it, if he shuffled, if this guy does, you know, waits and waits and waits and, and he just back, he's backing up the entire time, the whole route tree is in play now. I don't know where you're going until you get on my toes and then you break. And by that time, it's pretty much too late. So that's that's the main you know, and the tweet that went viral the other day of like, of where, <clears throat> excuse me, his philosophy of playing man coverage, it's all with that timing step and then the punching with the hands and being physical at the line of scrimmage, but also forcing the receiver to declare his route now so that way they can eliminate the route tree. That is good stuff, man. So if I'm understanding correctly, too, you're, you're really accomplishing two things with that outside step, right? With that, with that little out. And do you have a specific name for that technique where it's just that, that outside step first? Yeah, it's just a timing step. Just timing step, okay. Just a timing so, step, yeah. And it, it's a six-inch timing step. You know, if I had to really critique this player here, I think he's a little bit too wide, you know, <laughs> even though it doesn't look like he's taking – yeah, like I like I want that to be even shorter because, like, mm -hmm. that step allows you to come to balance, and I want to be 50-50 on each leg. So as I'm – you know, if you notice his knees, they're inverted in because when he takes that timing step, he's going to get back to square. Yeah. And then he's able to be balanced on each, on each uh, foot. So that way, if he does run a slant, he can play that back hip and play over the top of it. But again, you're just you're really focusing on just that little bit right there. And That's what awesome. I do love about this player is it keeps his shoulders down too. A lot of times when guys will shuffle out slowly, their shoulders will come up, and that's where you see like guys that will fall back a little bit or have that that uh, that step that they have to regather themselves because they're on their heels. Because a good receiver and this kid right here is playing receiver is pretty good. Like when they start to shuffle to you, they'll try to step on your toes so you don't that way you don't know which way you're going and then. That's what pretty much all receivers are taught. It's like shuffle, shuffle, try to step on the toes, and then try to make that break in or out. But, you know, again, this timing step allows you to keep your shoulders down over your knees. That way you can be in the fight and have a little bit more physicality at the line of scrimmage by punching your hands out. Yeah, good stuff. So yeah. by taking the taking the six-inch timing step, really what you're doing, you're, you're doing two things, right? You're, you're kind of – you're creating a governor, right? You're, you're, you're delaying their release, but you're also trying to get them to declare earlier, right? right. So once they declare – if you do force an outside release, like you said, you, you eliminate upwards of 70% of the route tree. That's just, yeah. Yeah. That's, wow. yeah. That's it's, you know, especially if you're, 
because let's say they're in middle of the field closed coverage, right? And I think a lot of people think, oh, they're playing cover one. Like there also is that cover three element. And a lot of teams are playing, you know, match cover three, right? Which like it looks like press. I'm staying in the fight with press. But if he doesn't go deep, I'm zoning off. Right. Right. So like a lot of teams, if you're running, I'll use a, a simple uh, football combination, but smash, right? You got a hitch by number one, a corner by number two, right? If if you're going to run a hitch route, a number one, and you're going to like out inside release me, right? Or even outside release me to take me out of the play. Like I can still open my hips and play that fade ball on that zone kind of drop. But like to the quarterback and everybody else, it looks like I'm playing cover one. So, yes. you know, I think and I, I use the term stay in the fight because I'm not just bailing out of it, slow pedal motor out steps. I'm staying in that fight, getting hands on. And then if I need to open my hips to play a zone coverage, I can. So well, and again, it's even in the technical yeah. side of the game, you're still playing a numbers game. That's just amazing. You know what I mean? You're still trying to right. minimize. You know, it's just wild. What were you going to say, Coach? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, when we talk about that zone, I think we might talk about the quarters because it's common in the quarters game, too. When you play mod technique, uh, there's a million different names for mod. Man only deep. Man on demand. Uh, coaches, right. you know how coaches are. They take one concept <laughs> and they make it their own, right? So, uh, right. I, I like man only deep. So, like, I'm going to press my man, and he's mine only if he goes deep. If he runs a shallow inside, a hitch, whatever it is, I'm going to zone off of it. And the reason why, I, you know, quarters coverage, cover three will play a little bit of mod as well. Um, but, like, when we go back to that middle of the field close concepts, like, you could have a corner pressed up. He could still be playing zone coverage, but he only has that guy if he goes deep. So you may see him stay in the fight. You may see him motor out because if I have to get to a deep third and cover three, I can't be stuck on a guy if I got to get my butt back, you know, 20 to 30 yards, especially with this elite speed that you see. So that's why at the beginning of the show, I preference like you may see this this type of press coverage, but you all still may see some guys motoring out too, just based on skill set and also based on scheme that they're playing. Absolutely. You know, we, we had a well, Carly asked a question. Let me hit this first. She said, so forcing the receiver to declare his route earlier than he would otherwise, right? W without yep. giving up ground first. That's essentially the goal, right, coach? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Because like, you know, every, you know, cover one is probably one of the easiest coverage in football, right? Everyone has man coverage and then the safety pretty much is covering the roof, right? Make sure no post hits it in the center field. Well, a lot of what teams are doing now is with this match coverage and this match principles is like, I have this guy on less, right? So if he wants to run a shallow underneath now, that's when we go back to the cover three principle. Like if I'm playing cover three, I'm going to make it look like man, unless he goes underneath and then I'm going to zone off and I have my zone and goes underneath it. So the reason I, I bring that up is if, if I can make you declare now you make the reads easier for everybody across the board, because if I'm a safety and I need to play the low, low crosser. So let's say we're showing a two high shell middle uh, field open and I want to roll to a one high shell and I'm the safety that's rolling down to be the rat, right? I'm going to go down and pick off any crosser that comes through. If Seven, I have a six. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So, but like if I'm a motor out corner, that receiver could shuffle, shuffle and go. Like, but because I'm being physical at the last scrimmage and he knows that, I have to go now so I can get into my route concept. Got right. It. So I guess that's the point I'm, I'm making is like that, yeah. like press coverage of staying in the fight requires you to declare your route now. Yeah. And then I can disrupt the route, obviously, at the last scrimmage. And that, that fraction of a second, some people hear that and go, it can't be that big of a deal. That fraction of a second is huge for a safety to be able to read and, and understand what the route combination is, what the passing concept is in general, right? So yeah, I, yeah, I they, yeah, they definitely say they, they say it's the difference between a pick and an interception, right? It's usually that fraction of a second of getting your hand in there and, you know, or completion, excuse me, a, uh, a completion in a, in a tip ball is usually that little bit of a fraction of a second. Right. You know, all you need to do is get a fingertip on a ball to disrupt it. So, yeah, I think having that little bit. Same thing with, with wide receiver routes, though. Like, you just need to get on a shoulder to pin them for a second to disrupt the route concept. Right. You know, I, I think the main difference between, obviously, the NFL and, and high school ball that I coach is, like, the speed of the game is just so – like, I don't think we can fathom how fast these guys are and, like, that little bit of disruption and how fast the defense alignment are, too. Like, the game happens so quick that if you can just stay in that fight for a little bit to disrupt that route, it makes a huge difference on throwing off the offense scheme. Right. And coach for that, are you looking for them to actually make contact with them or you just, you just need the motion of the hand just, just to get them to slow up a little. Yeah. So I've seen coach Halfley teach it a few ways. Like he, he taught it with two hands where it was like outside okay. step two hand press. 
but like you don't want to throw your body into it because a good receiver will you know dislodge the yeah. hands and then he's out the gate and that press is ineffective right um i the reason you're seeing one hand on the screen my guys i don't want to say they weren't talented enough but they weren't quick enough to if they threw two and lost they Cut. were burnt yeah Cut. so like i'd Cut. rather lose with one than lose with two so um and the way i taught it too and this is i actually stole this directly from coach Halfley too is like if they're in the frame okay and i don't know if you guys can see me on camera but like if you're if you're within my body frame i'm gonna two-hand you the mm -hmm. minute you leave my body frame let's say you're gonna try a wide spray release on me i'm gonna one-hand you mm. okay so um we all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing but they also can be amazingly distracting especially when we're around other people so U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value Jordan Love card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. You know, when we, at a high school level, like there's some guys just can't get off a of press, right? Either they're not coached well to do it or they don't have the physical attributes to get off a of press. So my guys, most of the time, two hand pressing and getting into his body because the guys just couldn't, you know, have the skills to left, right, and then dislodge the hands. Right. Uh, but yeah, Coach Halfley's teaching was inside the frame, two hand them, outside the frame, one hand, and then run with it. Right. And I like, and I like that because it, I mean, it, it speaks to him being simple on, what your point is two your two inside your shoulders one outside that's it those are your only options it's it that's it and if they were going to wide release you where you couldn't get hands on them you got to cut off the angles of your feet so you'll okay. take that outside step and then you know let's say this pl uh, player on screen here like wants to go wide let's say to the yellow line over here like i'm not trying to get that hand to you i'm just trying to sh like shuffle my feet to cut off an angle gotcha. and, and by doing that if you think about it like yeah, I'm, I'm getting very technical here and like into the nitty gritty. I think, yeah, I think I think it's good for for you guys to understand. It's like if I wide release this. So let's say I'm at the the numbers right now. Okay, the numbers at the high school level, the bottom of the numbers where he's lined up is seven yards to the sideline. If I can widen you four yards, you have three yards to the sideline for a quarterback, especially at the high school level, but even at the NFL level, to drop the ball into the bucket, which we call thirty to forty yards downfield with three yards of sideline left, is pretty much a near impossible throw right. right so if i can just use my feet like press coverage doesn't always need to be one with the hands it can be one with the feet too because if i can widen your routes out i i minimize that quarterback's throw down the field because it has to be damn near perfect and uh, mm. as elite as these quarterbacks are in the nfl like that's a very very hard throw to make and i know at the very beginning we listened to a clip with coach halfley talking about uh field and boundary when you get to the college game especially at the high school game like the hashes are wider. So there's more of a field game where, you know, you're, you're on one hash and this side of the field is wide open, right? Um, with the NFL, the hashes are closer together. So pretty much the entire game's played more in the middle of the field. So you don't really have a, a field boundary advantage as you would in the high school game. So my point is, like, these throws are pretty much thrown from the middle of the field at all times. So if you can widen that wide receiver out on a go ball, you pretty much minimize his chances to catch a, the ball or the quarterback has to be pretty perfect with it. And it's very a low percentage for that. And from the defense's perspective, you guys are trying to widen them. And and now you kind of understand for those of you listening, why LaFleur, McVay, all these guys like to go with the nasty splits as opposed mm -hmm. to the Baylor splits. They're wanting to create more room for those DBs right. to have to cover. The DB is going, the wider you line up, the better for me, right? Let's let's kind of pinch him along that sideline a bit, right? So um, yeah. The, yeah. the nasty splits were – 
that was something it was it was it took me a long time to embrace honestly coach had because you know you, you see all that field and you're like why are we so condensed but then when yeah. you understand you know with the with the double crosser concepts and and, and you know lafleur loves slot cross he loves slot mm-hmm. cross you know the the number two cross with a backside dig right that's his like bread and butter um it's just uh when you see Jordan Love and some of the throws he can make from the offensive standpoint, looking at this stuff, I know what they mean by arm talent now. Because when you right. that window like you're talking about, defenses are trying to to create or limit, I guess you could say that arm talent. It, it really makes a difference. We've seen it this year in the back half of the season with Jordan too. Right, right, yeah. It's it's. I think that the talent itself of it, but the accurate, the, like the deep ball accuracy has got to be there too. And. You know, you spoke on the Baylor splits, which, you know, all all splits have advantages and disadvantages, right? Like if I'm if I'm running those Baylor splits where they're out wide, right? They're out past the numbers wide. Right. Like, it forces the defense to cover all 53 and a third of the field, right? So you can pull players out of the box. Um, you know, Tennessee this past year, they, they always do a really good job of that where they split guys out. Uh, University of Tennessee, excuse me, yeah. in college. Like they do a really good job of splitting those guys out because – now you have to decide, do I pull a safety out of the box or a, uh, my apex defender even further out of the box? Now it lightens the box up to throw it. So, uh, But to your point, right, it's now I got a guy outside the numbers where if he wants to push vertical, that throw is very hard to make where you got to get him back stacked on the numbers. So, uh, yeah. But for those of you listening, what we mean by Baylor splits and nasty splits, nasty splits are inside the numbers. Your receivers are lined up inside the numbers. Baylor splits. I've seen some Baylor splits where they're like one yard off the out of bounds. Like they are on the sideline hashes. Yeah. Way out there. So, uh, that was something it's referred to. You correct me if I'm wrong, but it was referred to as Baylor splits because Baylor kind of made it famous, right? Like the Baylor University, am I thinking right? Yeah, I believe it was Art Bryles that brought that system in where they would put two receivers stacked on the numbers out wide. And again, you had to pick your poison. You're going to keep a guy in the box or, or bring him out to play able to play that quick throw to the outside. So that's I would what love that was to, the I'd love to have the defensive coordinator mocked up the first time he's seen a Baylor split. Like what in the world? Is- <laughs> yeah. 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 Especially if you do it consistently, you got a game plan for it. And you right. know, if you don't have dudes on the inside to play the box, it yeah. makes for a long day in the run game. You know, one thing that you, uh, you know, you were kind of talking about is, you know, Halfley, you, you kind of alluded to, hey, look, you know, some people can do this. Some people can't. He's not going to try to force a, a square peg into a round hole. Found this quote earlier today. I tweeted it out. Um, I just put new Packers uh, defense coordinator Jeff Halfley has said, quote, I'm big on technique. I'm big on fundamentals. But if a guy can play at a high level, don't try to change him to fit exactly what you think he should be. Just get him better. Exactly. It sounds so simple, but that's I mean, that's it at the root. Right. Right. Coach. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I think from a technique standpoint, too, if we're talking corner technique, like you have to take that philosophy, because if he tries to take a bigger, slower corner, to do this outside step who can't recover if he does get beat like that. Like it's more than just give up points and give up yards. Like that guy's giving up contracts. That guy is giving up money. Like that's, I think the picture is always bigger where you can't just come in and say, you're going to do this, whether you like it or not. Like, and I think, you know, coach Halfley has that mindset where it's like, and you know, the quote from you just read, like, I'm going to take this guy and I'm going to see what he can do. Well, if he's a motor out guy and he can cover well, Let's keep him motoring out. But if if he has a skill set to outside step it and punch it and run with it, like let's try to develop that skill. But you know, I, I think it's a lot bigger. And I, I'm glad he said that publicly too, because I think right. some I think there is a lot of coaches in the NFL that kind of come in and say you're going to do it this way, whether you like it or not. And you know, you see it a lot at the quarterback level too, where guys don't adapt their system to the quarterback, and the quarterback struggles, and it's just like, oh, that quarterback stinks. Well, it's like, right. no, we didn't adapt to his skill sets, and now this guy's out of a job and two, three years. And it's mainly because a coach just was just too stubborn to change what he does. So you're the level that you coach at, you know, the high school level, that's got to be the most difficult aspect because you're catching them at such an early age. You want to fix the technique, right? Like we were early enough. Let's fix the technique. As soon as they come in is, you know, whether, whether you first get, you know, your hands on them at at the junior high level or once they reach high school, like you want to make sure let's make them technically sound. But if you do get a player that's like, okay, they're, they're playing this pretty darn good. It's hard to argue with it. You know, I imagine that's very difficult at the high school level to not want to go, hey, we need to fix this right now, right? Because, like, you know, I never played football, but when I played baseball, one of the things I dealt with, you know, like my freshman year was they started changing my throwing mechanics, right? Yeah. And and I'm telling you, the ball was selling 10 feet over the first baseman's head from shortstop. Yeah. And then about my junior year, they're like, you know what, let's just, just do what's natural. Right on a right on a dime again, right? They tried to 
it, it was with good intentions, but in some cases it's like, it doesn't, you know, necessarily mean, you know, more technique means better results. When you get to the NFL level, I imagine Halfley's going to thrive in that. And it's probably why Richard Sherman came out and was very outspoken about how he loved him as a coach and how he's so well prepared. It's like, okay, yeah, if there's something to fix, let's see if we can fix it. But right. at that level, it's yeah. like, all right, let's just focus on what they do well, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think, you, like, speaking at a high school level, I can get away with a lot more things because if I have a better athlete than you do, like, he can yeah. be less technically sound and still be able to cover. When you get to the NFL, like, you know, you can't, like, you win on technicalities. Like, you don't, like, everyone's the same athlete, right? Everyone's running a 4-3 or 4-4 at that corner wide receiver position, right? So, like, yeah, your hips may be a little bit stiffer than the guy that's uh, playing on the other side of you. But, like, for the most part, these corners are elite athletes, like some of the best in the world as far as being able to move forward, backwards, track the football. Like, there's so many things you have to do. So I think, like, the difference between being a really good corner and elite, you know, Richard Sherman, Dal Revis, like, you have to have a coach come in. And and Joe Hayden, like, there's a reason why all these guys were elite. And, like, the tree that stems from is Coach Halfley, right? And, like, mm-hmm. I know he got uh, Richard Sherman a little bit late in his career, but a lot right. of these guys that, that uh, you know, have good foundations of playing corner was from Coach Halfley. And this is why I think, like, he, like his teachings separate from other coaches where if you can just take an elite corner, an elite athlete, he can kind of mold them to what they need to be. Right. And, and you know, yeah, you did you you caught Richard Sherman late in his career, but the fact that I mean he's a Hall of Famer, I think we would all agree with that. It's just yeah. a matter of time for for a Hall of Famer on the backside of his career to recognize that and talk about this is this guy is more prepared as anyone, as well prepared as anyone who's ever coached me. I really I think it really says a lot for sure. Um, Amelia, you have any more questions for coach before we let him uh go about uh, more important things in his life yeah. than, than trying to educate us. <laughs> I, I, the only, I just one more education if he's got it. I, is there any bit of like a funnel technique to the to the to the you know the, the man covered when when you're throwing that? Are we trying to funnel at all t- to to the inside or is it um however however you know the the receiver determines it? That gets mentioned on telecasts a lot, you know. Right. So it's yeah. like, is there any truth to that? Yeah, if you're playing middle of the field closed, you typically will play with an outside leverage and because okay. you have middle of the field safety help. Right. Um, so, like, a lot of times your leverage is based on your help, right? And that's, that's the way I teach it. That's the way it's pretty much teach throughout the country is, like, uh, from a quarterback perspective, you can't – if you look over, like, you shouldn't be able to tell leverage, right? Like, the guy's not lined up way outside. Gotcha. Like It's just going to be on an inside eye or inside shoulder, but he's going to play with that advantage where – if he does get that again inside release, he can take that that timing step and then punch it and then funnel it to his safety. Uh, you know, a lot of times if teams are playing with leverage to the outside, you're either going to have that middle of the field safety or you're going to have again we talked about earlier that rat player or someone that's going to come down and look to pick off a crosser. Um, gotcha. So if you're bringing cover zero, you got to protect the inside with inside leverage because you can't give up that slant ball because you're vulnerable to it. So right. a lot of times this man technique coverage you'll see it, it might be hard to see it on tv just because the angle that the broadcast is with the side angle obviously the end zone angle you can see a lot better but um yeah typically leverage is played based off of coverage that's behind it but like, if you get uh, a cover zero technique you have to protect that inside and that's one of the hardest things especially as you get more towards the goal line you know i think these quarterbacks nowadays are so good at throwing that back shoulder fade that that just added a whole nother element to okay, I got to cover the fade and the comeback on an outside release. Well, it's like, now you got to cover a back shoulder fade, which relies on you to be in position to play the fade, but also be able to punch through the shoulder, out through the hands and work through that. Um, you know, that's one little thing here that I actually got from Coach Athlete as well, is how to play the back shoulder fade is, you know, when that back shoulder fade is thrown, like you want to punch through the shoulder cavity all the way through the hands and then try to rip down in a way. So... You know, I think his the corners would be well prepared. You know, I'm not sure you guys have the numbers better than I would. Just how many back shoulder fades you guys saw this year? But like, I know his corner teachings of that is probably the best I've seen. Is like how to effectively play that back shoulder fade, um, mm-hmm. and, and rip it out because it's one of the hardest things to do as a corner in football. Like the the position's already hard enough, and then you throw a back right. shoulder fade in the mix too. It's like these guys just can't win. Yeah, no doubt. And and yeah. as a defensive coach, and I'm sure you've coached on offense too. Um, the roles are definitely geared towards helping the offense. I think we would all agree. So they're already sure. backs are against the wall. As far as back shoulder fades, you know, just I haven't really done a study on that, but just, you know, right off cuff, I don't know if we've seen, you know, we've seen very minimal of it this year, but I think that 
kind of has to do with the fact that we're playing, you know, anywhere from four to six yards off and their eyes are on the quarterback a little harder to throw that fade as opposed to, hey, the corner's got his eyes on his work in man coverage. That's where that back shoulder really comes into play, right? So um, I think, again, I think we'll see that man coverage uh, jump a bit. I don't think it'll be quite to the locking or to the level that some fans want. But, yeah, I broke down the – the explosives and, and really went through, I watched every snap of the, the BC Florida state game last year mm. and, uh, and kind of dove through, did a three play saturation, found 14 plays that were the most impactful plays, you know, you know in that game. And, and obviously they end up losing, I believe by two points, if I remember correctly, BC yeah. lost by two points, just a great, I picked it because of, that's probably the best, you know, the best opponent they played all year For and sure. they really hung with them, right? Let's see what they did. Well, what they did not so well, but um, in that game alone though, they played cover one man eight of those 14 plays, cover one man eight times, cover zero four times, cover three zone once. And I think it might have been a little match there. And then goal line zone, um, which it really it looked like zero could have been a blown coverage, could have been zone. I just checked it off as zone. And the other thing is about the rushers. I don't know if you – it sounds to me like anything you've tuned in with Coach Halfley, he's been teaching secondary, right, technique, corner yeah. play, that type of thing, right? It's not been really – have you have you caught anything – from studying him as to what does he like to do pass rush wise? Cause we're hearing some people say, Oh, he always brings six. When I turn on the tape, I seen them showing six, but the majority of the time they only brung five. And then, yeah. you know, the second most was four rushers. And then they only brung six rushers actually one time in that specific game. That could be that Jordan Travis mobile quarterback, they were where they were doing a little bit of D tackle spine and just engage and dropping back. But did you pick up anything there that you think, okay, Halfley likes to kind of bring this many on a pressure or not? Yeah, I think it's it's tough for me to say just because the college game, and he even admitted it at the top of the show, right? Like the college game, the NFL game is so different and just everything you can do. And I think I think the talent level he had at Boston College was obviously vastly different than the talent level he had at Ohio State, right? So I think even if you look, would look at those two defenses he was on between the college game, you'll probably see different schemes and different coverages. I think coming to the NFL, you'll you'll I think it will be different. I don't think he'll bring as much. I think it's very hard to you know, I I coaches in the NFL played a little bit safer just because there's lots of money on the line. There's lots of I mean, as you guys know, like like you get nitpicked for every little thing that you do as a defensive coordinator or even offensive coordinator in the NFL. So coaches will play it a little bit safer. Um not saying that he won't be aggressive because I think every coach has their philosophy. Some coaches will show simulated pressures on third down. You know what you saw with like Dan Quinn and these guys who like are showing six guys at the last scrimmage. They're going to bail out. They're going to do exotic things, right? There's some guys that will just sit back in coverage. Um, I scheme wise, I'm not too sure, but I, it doesn't surprise me that what you see, what he did at Boston College, will probably be vastly different for what he does in the NFL. And I think that's just the style of game that it is. Um, but also saying that too, like if this guy's all in on corners, right? All in on teaching the corners and being elite at the corner position, which you, you know you guys have been this past year. It's like, could he change his philosophy a little bit to play a little bit more man coverage just because he has a skill set on the back end and on the edges where he can be a little bit more aggressive and bring five and six. Um, but again, new coach coming in, uh, new philosophy, great fan base, like, is, is it something where you want to put your guys – understand this. When you bring six, you're putting a ton of stress on your defensive backs. Right. You know what I mean? Because if you don't get home with that blitz and that blitz gets picked up, you're putting an elite wide receiver on a defensive back that doesn't want to be in man coverage, right? So uh, that's why the only reason I kind of shy away from saying, yes, he'll be in cover six uh, – sorry, and uh, six pressure and five pressure a lot just because there's so much stress. And he's brand new to uh, the Packers organization and, and playing – and, and right. being a defensive coordinator there. So that's kind of where I'm I'm kind of like, eh, I'm not sure. Right. Uh, but it wouldn't okay. surprise me if he, if he's a little bit more zony and that, as opposed to being more man. Yeah, that makes makes a lot of sense. You know, as far as the Packers last year, they brung three rushers 6% of the time. That was ninth most in the league. They brung four rushers 64% of the time. That was 25th most in the league. They brung five rushers 27% of the time. That was fifth most in the league. And then they only brung six plus rushers 3% of the time. That was 29th in the league. Just so we're going to kind of monitor those numbers as we go forward. So if you can get the true halfway effect or what actually changed, you know, what adjustments did they make? But uh, I'm excited to see how it all unfolds. And I guarantee you this, they're having conversations right now at 1265 Lombardi Avenue, looking at the roster and halfway really going, okay, 
what do we have on the roster? What do we need? What's the game plan here? I'm excited to see how it on them, all unfolds. And if it's all right with you, Coach, we'd like to have you back in later and kind of get an update. Maybe I can have a couple of clips from a Packers game and say, hey, what are you seeing here technique-wise, that type of thing. So yeah, it's cool to see it come full circle because when we asked you about the zone match and everything last year in the quarters coverage, um, now here we are, new D.C., and it just so happens he was in your backyard, man. It's absolutely awesome. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I can't let you go without asking you this, Packer fans. You can go ahead and turn this off if you want to, but I got to ask. He's <laughs> he's brought in a uh, Patriot country up there, and and you yeah. guys know I'm a huge Bill Belichick fan, have been for a long time. Uh, just love love everything about the dude. Love his his love for the history of the game and just the success, and even the edginess to hey, doing whatever it takes to get an edge over your opponent. I, I love that stuff. I dig it. But obviously he's out in New England. You got Gerard Mayo in there. What's the buzz up in New England right now? Like how are you guys feeling? Because it, it sounds like Stephen Belichick's staying on staff. Is that is that correct, Chris? Yeah, yeah. I've seen a bunch of different reports. Um, yeah, I'm, it's it's interesting, right? Because I, th- I think like me growing like I live about 15 minutes from the stadium, right? So I'm born and raised Patriot fan. Uh, you know, I went through the Parcells days, the P. Carroll days, and now the Belichick tenure, right? So right. I think for me, it's it's there's a, there is a lot of buzz around here. I think they're excited because it's a young staff, and there you know, you you've know. seen the success that young staff has had around the NFL, and we're hoping we can replicate that. Obviously, as as a coach, I hate to see Belichick go just because you know you had greatness sitting in your backyard. I, it's just good to learn from someone like that, and I've been fortunate enough to learn from people from his coaching tree and and implement our philosophy uh, at the high school level. But yeah, it's, it's kind of sad to see him go. I was hoping he'd get a job somewhere else. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And the fact that it doesn't look like he's going to, um, you know, I think him being a, what's he like 14, 16 win shy of the all time win record. So I'm hoping he could get that. And I I just kind of hope he can, he can get it and then ride off into the sunset because he's had such a monumental career that you hate to see it. end. kind of the way it did where having, that season that we just had and it's, everyone's pointing the finger at everybody else. You don't really know whose fault it is. And right. I think, you know, Mayo coming in and just kind of wiping the slate clean. It looks like he's going to do some new things with them and improve that culture a little bit. So uh, yeah. I'm curious to see how it's going to turn out, but yeah, there's definitely a lot of buzz around here that things are going to go that are trending at least in the right direction. I agree. And I'm excited about uh, the Van Pelt hire because <laughs> Now, Alex Van Pelt's done some great things. He was one that, that Aaron Rodgers was just really big on. He loved yeah. Alex Van Pelt. That's the new OC now, if I remember correctly, right? That's what yep. just yep. So that'll be that'll be exciting to see if they go QB in the draft and just build something brand new there because the offense obviously is a, the main reason that defense, uh, you know, not not the defense struggled, but the main reason the team in general struggled last year. I mean, they just kept giving the ball back, kept giving the ball back. Mm. But I was I was digging through explosives. I'll let you go after this. I thought you might find this interesting. The explosive plays last year, you can see in the the far right green column, that's the explosive plays total um, for every defense in the league. Look at New England, number two at seven yeah. six. They're still doing wow. their thing on defense, wow. man. You know, yeah, defense be- was elite this year. It was an elite defense that they had this year. It's just like it just shows you how much the offense, like you know, the old uh was it offense wins games, defense wins championship, right? That's all the whole motto. But like in today's NFL game, it's it's almost the reverse now. We're like, you have to have that explosive offense and you have to be able to at least just keep def- uh, offenses in check defensively. But man, if you don't have that offense that can push the ball downfield and and create explosives, it's it's uh it's tough. Yeah. Well, coach, we can't thank you enough. This was absolutely yeah. awesome. Anytime yeah. we have an opportunity to chat with you, man, it's just uh it's an absolute blast. Again, guys, check him out over at victorysports.com. That's V I Q C T O R Y sports.com. It's on the ticker. Appreciate that. And uh you guys keep doing your thing, coach. If there's ever anything we can do for you, let us know. But we we can't thank you enough for your time, man. It, every time we think we know something. You gotta, you gotta lower the ego and say, let's get someone in here who's actually got their hands in the dirt doing yeah. this, right? Working hands on with players and and actually going to these coaching clinics because that's that's where the gold is. It's uh, it's not on the four letter network with a bunch of uh, talking heads breaking stuff down. It's what are they actually teaching behind the scenes, yeah. right? So, right. thanks for always driving, right. coach. We appreciate you. Yeah, I appreciate y'all having me. Thanks again. We'll uh, talk soon. All right, take care. All right, that was Coach Haddad again. Just a man, what a great dude. Mm-hmm. Absolutely love that guy. He he really broke down the zone match for me. I spent about a day and a half studying quarters and, and focusing on Nick Saban's cover cover six and and his cover what they call cover seven and just trying to dive into different aspects. And then came across his website and then reached out to him. He was like, "Heck yeah, dude! I'll talk ball. Let's get on that. Let's do it." So um, he's he's the 
main reason that I understood zone match and the Fangio scheme to the small, minute level that I did. If it hadn't been for him, I would have been completely lost. But uh, what was your major takeaway there, Emilio, as we get ready to enter this Jeff Halfley uh, era of defense yeah. in Green Bay? I mean, honestly, I don't even know if I can pick one thing. He had, there was there was so much there. I we we sat there and looked at a clip for 15 seconds, and there was so there was 30 minutes of talking that we had looking at looking at seven seconds of footwork and yep. and hand placement. Um, I absolutely love you know that that Halfley wants to teach that technique, and I like that when um, he he's wanting to keep it simple as as you know as straight line as we can. He's in your shoulders two, out of your shoulders one. Like little things like that I'm excited about and not, you know, forcing them to do, hey, still do two, you know, within three yards, blah, 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 blah. You know, once he once he breaks out of that five, then you can do something else. I'm happy we just one two punch, get out of there, go. Um and I like the I like the motor out he was talking about um with that six inch step. Yeah. I, it's it's cool to think that you know you can let's go pull some clips on Ja and see if he's ever up you know bump and run what what does that look like or you know go back and watch some old clips of Darrell or, or Richard Sherman maybe and see just those little those little tidbits that could be the difference of you know getting beat on that route or, or um, you know stopping them. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Donald in the chat said that was great. Yeah, it, like I said, really appreciate Coach's time. You know, the big thing for me, first of all, I didn't know – I had no idea that Coach Halfley actually coached Daryl Rivas too. That's wild. Yeah. That is wild. Like, uh, you know, some people would say that, that Darrell, Darrell Rivas is like, you know, he's a top three corner of all time. Some people would say that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't – I'd have to dig into all the – somebody in the chat's going, whatever, there's no way. Okay, I got you. Calm down. I'm just he's he was a first ballot Hall of Famer. He was called Rebus Island for a reason. That there was no one better that I've watched in man coverage outside of maybe Deion Sanders way back in the day in his prime. But that was cool. Little nugget. The six inch timing step, you know, creating the governor to to delay yeah. the release. Just understanding we're gonna be talking about this on Chalk Talk. When we find ourselves playing, whether it's press man, mirror match man, catch man, whatever, if they're within three yards, we're going to be looking at that outside step in slow motion on Chalk Talk this mm-hmm. year. I guarantee it. Yep. Uh, so we'll be keyed in on that. The other thing, the uh, you know, forcing the outside release and the reason you do it, you're eliminating 75% of the route tree. Like these are the things that we as fans don't think about, right? And and yes, they you know when they when they get burned in a certain position, it's easy as a fan to go, "What in the world were they doing right there?" Right? Mm-hmm. Everything has a purpose. Everything has a purpose. And now I want you to think about this. And I'm not here. I'm not trying to dog on Jair, but just think about how when we hired Greg Williams, I think it was from Arizona or Houston, whichever place he came from. It, you know, one of the first things when his priority was trying to get Jair to play closer to the line of scrimmage because Jair has said over and over and over he would prefer to play off. When you're talking about inches of where you're lining up, where you're setting your foot, this stuff's really going to matter. It is really going to matter, right? Right. Um, and I'm eager to see how he embraces, hopefully he embraces this new, you know, philosophy. Everyone's got this misconception that Jair just wants to play press man and lock him down and just, you know, do his thing. You know, it's not the case by his own admission. You know, yes, he'd like to follow the number one, but he wants to line up where he wants to line up. He wants to play right. off. He's more comfortable doing that. Hopefully we can uh, figure out what we want to do there. But I don't think we're going to come out and just play a ton of press either. I don't think it's just going to be press across the board. Well, no, because, I mean, it, even if Jair is impressed, it's maybe he doesn't like the motor out technique. Maybe that's not for him. I mean, he can open his hips and run. That's not a problem. But maybe that those chop steps at the beginning, he's – found out throughout the years that it's just a waste for him or it gets him out of position. You know, maybe he steps, you know, two inches outside of his, his frame and he loses that step. So he's more comfortable, you know, setting into a back pedal or breaking down on, on a, on a slant sort of thing. Yeah. But again, that's going to be, you know, up to athlete where, where he wants them to be in what sort of coverage he's trying to run. Yeah. Um, the other thing I liked was, you know, even, even if you are impressed, man, at some point they're going to, you know, wheel route you or, or get outside of you. You gotta be you gotta be ready to open your hips and and crunch that sideline. I'm excited to see you know that back shoulder fade, all those sort of little techniques. I'm 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 real excited to see him break that down. And it's awesome that it's you know what I was thinking at the beginning when when uh, coach was saying a couple things. I was like, Goody started revamping that secondary when he hired Halfley. You know that that secondary is revamping 
from when that when that hire day started. So that's, yeah. you know, let alone the players, he's going to start breaking it down from, you know, the top down, which is exciting to see. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Donald in the chat said tackling is going to be paramount, especially if you're running more more man, absolutely, because mm -hmm. you're going to have more one-on-one -on -one tackling opportunities as opposed to two or three guys getting to the ball carrier from zone. That's just – that goes with the territory with man coverage. And, again, I, I think – Anyone who thinks that it's realistic that the, the Packers are going to run more than 40% man coverage, that would mean they, they would run more man coverage this year than any team did last year. And I just don't right. see it. I think you're probably going to see it go from that 23% to around, I don't know, 27 to 32% would be my guess. Now, we'll see. We'll come out and, they, hell, they may go down in man coverage. Mm -hmm. We can never, you know, I, I never remember – the Legion of Boom, you know, and obviously Sala coming from there and Halfley coaching under him with San Francisco, it, it was always cover three, cover three, cover three, right? And they would mix it up. They would go buzz. They'd go cloud. They'd do all kinds of different cover three zone approaches. And and they would let, you know, that was the big talk too, was like Sherman got bashed because he wasn't following the number one receiver. Therefore, some people said, well, Sherman isn't that good. It wasn't the defense. The defense was cover three, Right. And, and you can play some match principles out of that cover three, which they did, which turns into man coverage after a certain, you know, threshold, obviously. Right. Yeah, I think tackling could be huge too. Chad Inc. in the chat says Champ Bailey was a monster in man coverage. Mm -hmm. Champ was one of my favorite players. You know, when I played high school ball, you know, my name's Clayton Bailey. My my uniform said C. Bailey. This is in baseball. said C. Bailey, and my number was four, and that was him at Georgia, if I remember correctly. I was a huge Champ Bailey fan. That dude was just – Phenomenal watching him play both sides of the ball at Georgia. Yep. And uh yeah, just a, a great human being too, uh, from what I remember. Just one of those guys that was just a real team player for sure. Mm -hmm. And what uh, and one other thing about his technique, what I did like was I mean, it's probably doesn't pertain to baseball, but like in lacrosse, you know, if you got your stick, if you're sitting there with your stick side to side rather than pointing out at like the guy you're you're playing defense on, you're giving them six, you know, you're giving them four feet, six feet of space for him to break you down and and make you, you know, and, and beat you on that router or beat you on that move or whatever. So same thing with football, man, you get your hand out there, just give you that extra, give you that extra three yards, your hands a lot easier to pull in than your feet being out of position. Right. So, you know, keep them chopping, get something out there just so that you have that extra half second to open up inside out, whatever it is uh, for that route. I, I like that. I like that tidbit coach had. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, Peter Stone in the chat said, you guys going to watch the Senior Bowl? Pay attention to the corner from Toledo. He has had a great week of practice. I think he could fit our team very well if we can draft him. Big physical corner. Is he talking about our boy? Mitchell. I think he may be talking about boy. Let me pull it up here. Yeah, Mitchell, right? Yeah, Quinn yeah. Mitchell. Yeah. So you see the consensus big board going into, and this is why I did the consensus big board screen grabs before that stuff came out about the senior ball. I wanted to see where they lined up and see how far they climbed. Quinion Mitchell um, out of Toledo was ranked 26 overall. He was the fifth best corner. Watch him jump up in the top right. two or three now. I mean, he has had a phenomenal. Yeah, if he shows out, if he shows out in game, it's yep. he's he's climbing. Absolutely, man. I'm excited to watch that that game today, man. Get some wings going. Get some Ooh. buffalo wings. A little, little maybe, beat dubs. Maybe a daddy. No, we ain't sitting on them hard <laughs> stools. We're gonna make our own wings. All right. I wish we'd never took that off the ticker, by the way. That was hilarious. <laughs> That's really um, let's see. I, Nick McSwain just spoke for 99% of the fan bases. I don't care what yeah. they do if it works. LOL. Amen, brother. <laughs> Amen. Um, the explosives, though, it was fun to kind of dive into that stuff because, uh, um, you know, just seeing what defenses actually were really good against explosives. And, you know, we talk about the top three defenses in the league, right? Um, the top three scoring defenses were – let me find it again here. Baltimore, Kansas City, and San Francisco in that order, right? And – there's still people that, that want to argue explosives don't matter. It don't matter. It don't matter. I, I would rather them score on an explosive play than use up the entire clock and score. Okay, yeah. You, if, if you have to say they're both going to score, absolutely. But the problem with that is the more plays that you make the offense use before they get to that score, scoring drive, you know, the end of that scoring drive, it's a numbers game. Right. You've got interceptions and turnovers you know, by percentage of plays, right? If you make the offense use the entire field, then you're playing to the numbers of, all right, they're going to make a mistake here, right? Mm -hmm. 
And then if you've got a really good red zone defense to couple with that, which Green Bay had a pretty good one last year, I think they were a little bit better the last I heard this year. You start to pinch down inside the red zone, what happens is they have to settle for threes, right? And now the next drive, they're going to have to use the entire field again. It's why Green Bay's scoring defense was hovering around the top ten all year long, right? Again, I don't care what anyone says. You're never going to convince me, not that anyone in the comments are here. No one's going to convince me that you should have – you should give up more points but less yards. Like that's just the craziest thing I've ever heard. Now it's finding that true dynamic, that blueprint to how do you get to less points scored. Some people play shell, right? The Fangio style, they want to control explosives and play good red zone defense. To right. keep the scoring down. That's their approach. Other teams want to play aggressive and try to force teams, right, to make mistakes. The problem with that is just like Coach Haddad said, when you bring six, I would love to have a Nero link on every DB on that field when they bring six. I guarantee you they're going, oh, crap. <laughs> there is no help back here, right? Yep. Especially when you get into zero looks. But nonetheless, when you look at explosives, those, those top three scoring teams, right, as far as defenses, look at the top. The number two scoring defense in the league was Kansas City. They gave up the least amount of explosive plays, okay? If you hop down to San Francisco, they gave up the fourth least amount um, explosive plays at 80, all right? Well, San Francisco was the number three scoring defense. Baltimore, your number one scoring defense. Someone hit me on Twitter when I posted about this, and they said Baltimore gave up the most explosives this year. And I was like, what the hell game are you watching? I'm like, and I said, can you can you hit me with a stat? He said, I'm sorry, it was number two. And I went, I know that ain't right either. I'm just going to let him hang himself here. Go ahead, keep talking. <laughs> and, and he comes back with a stat and said that they gave up over, over 600 explosive plays this year. And I was like, what AI system are you searching right now, my friend? Right. You were looking like <laughs> 600. And, of course, he called me a bully after I pointed out that he's he jumped in my mentions, tried to dunk on me. I showed him the true statistic, and then he called me a bully. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know what to do. I mean, what they played 1,200 snaps a season, maybe 50. I mean, that's what a explosive play every other play. To put it into perspective, the team that gave up the most explosives on this list, list I believe, is it's actually at the very bottom, is Cincinnati at 114. Ooh. This guy was saying that Baltimore gave up 600 explosives. I was just, I was mind boggled, man. And it, I shouldn't even mention it on the pod, honestly, but it's just like. Come on, man. Like my sixth grade teacher used to tell me, let it let it bounce around in that head a little bit before it comes flying out. Just think about it for just a second. I have to mm-hmm. take that advice all the time anyway. So Baltimore coming in, I think, at the number eight spot with explosives. So Baltimore wasn't the best at control explosives, but they're in the top ten. When you control explosives, you're going to have a good scoring defense. That's just the way it works, right? Like with New England, why was their scoring defense not towards the top or at least in the top six? Their offense – turn the ball over constantly, constantly, constantly. So you've got to look at those statistics. Okay, yeah, let's put that into perspective there. It doesn't mean it's everything, but it's definitely worth noting. The way they controlled explosives in New England this year, man, and they stopped the run too. They were heavy on stopping the run. They still got it up there with the Patriots. It's just they got to get that offense geared around it. The other thing too, you know, Fangio's out of the job, right? Well, he went to Philadelphia. It sounds like there was a big disagreement from what I'm just reading the tea leaves Fangio, Fangio's hard-nosed, old-school approach to coaching was not embraced by the players. Therefore, the coaches did not embrace it. So they decided to kind of part ways, whatever. He goes to Philadelphia. Notice how he picked up a job like that? Well, you know, we've been sitting here talking about teams have kind of caught on to the Fangio scheme, and you could tell that it, it is on its on its heels right now with Brandon Staley being let go and, and obviously Joe Barry being let go, although we've pointed out all year long Joe Barry played, you know, cover one the large majority of the time. It wasn't a true quarter zone match defense, but look at the lack of explosives in Miami, man, 78. They were third best in controlling explosive plays, right? Mm-hmm. So – just something to kind of keep an eye on there. Obviously, Green Bay was in the bottom third with explosives at 105. That's why it's important to watch Chalk Talk, and it's important to actually watch the tape because you would see that and go, oh, man, they played too aggressive. No, no, they didn't. You had guys blowing coverage, sitting mm-hmm. in cover three zone and just completely blowing coverage. Now, again, is that on Joe Barry for not preparing those guys? Possibly. What we got to – what we're hoping for is when Jeff Halfley comes in, 
you heard Coach had at. What you guys are getting is an excellent DB coach. Mm-hmm. So let's see that stuff button up. We want to see the explosives climb right here from 105. Let's climb up this list and get somewhere in the 90s. If mm-hmm. you were to do that this year, watch out. Now, the problem is if we do run a lot of cover one man, you're going to get more explosives. If the Packers were this bad at explosive plays last year, right, trying to play mostly zone, you know, at BC, Jeff Halfley gave up 13.3% explosive plays in his four years at BC. That's 24th highest in all of college football, something to take into consideration. But, again, the video that we opened with, what did he say? Pro football, totally different from college. Yeah. You got yeah. to different, so – yeah, and I mean, you look at the Jets there. They got uh, was it eighty nine explosive plays. So I mean, I would be perfectly fine. Came from you know oh, yeah, Tree, all that. Drop mm-hmm. us right around there. I would be let let's work with it from there. I mean, we don't need to go. We always wanted to be top five. You know, we don't need to jump. We don't need to make that jump right now. Like let's just let's hatch out the you know the basics, the fundamentals, the footwork, all that stuff, and we can go from there. Yeah, and I think if you you guys have heard me say, you know, if you were to do an extensive search on who called plays at Ohio State, you will find nothing, absolutely nothing, that says Jeff Halfley called plays at Ohio State. I think he was the main guy in charge, mm-hmm. but, you know, they, and they were co-coordinators, but it, I'm hearing that it was someone else that was calling plays. It's not really that important. What I'm saying is you got to kind of throw Ohio State out. You look at BC and you go, man, they were, they were a void of talent. He did the best he could. You got to kind of throw that out. What was his most recent experience with the NFL? You heard him mention it in that interview. You know, I talk to my friends in the NFL all the time. Who are his friends in the NFL? It's Robert Sala. Mm-hmm. Guarantee it. So where did Robert Sala finish here on explosives? You just pointed it out. It's one, two, three, four, mm-hmm. five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleventh in the league in explosives. Give me that number. I'm good. Yeah. So if he approaches the game the same way that Sala does right now, running his defense. Now listen, they're loaded on loaded with talent. On that, on the defensive side of the ball, up there in mm-hmm. New York, right? So that comes into play too. Um, I think. I mean, if you watch them, watch, right? Watch those linebackers. Watch a couple of those. Watch a couple of those Jets games. They are flying around, absolutely flying around, coming downhill. You know, side to side, everything. They're, you know, their D line is breaking through. They're, you know, they're they're filling the gaps. That's that's what we need to see, man. It, it was cool seeing their tackles for loss. I mean, maybe we can break down some of those numbers just to see what you know, what kind of defensive explosives they can sort of create as well, um, let alone giving up the explosives. Yeah, for sure. So it's going to hey, it's gonna be interesting, man. And mm-hmm. we're going to start getting news real soon. You're probably hearing about, about another seven to ten days. There will be some rumors start to swirl about, okay, is Aaron Jones's contract getting redone? Is Box getting redone? Where's everybody at? Are they going to cut Bach outright? Is it going to be June 1st, post-June 1st? All those things, you'll start getting information to trickle in. And I think they said – don't they say the team comes back in in April? Am I thinking right? Yeah, I thought it was 14th or 15th. They'll come in for a little OTA or whatever it is. Um, So you may start to get a little bit of information trickling out, although they do keep stuff pretty well. Just before just after the draft? When's the draft? I think it's before the draft when they do it, but I could be wrong. Um, I was thinking that the veterans get in there before the draft, but it might be after. And then they bring, and then they bring in the rookies for a week or two, right? And then right. you know, give them, give them the crash course, get out of here, come back in a month, sort of thing. Yeah, rookie orientation, get the playbook to them, get the first install in, all that stuff. And and another thing too, man, not to pile on, but you know, to the best of my knowledge, Jair hadn't been attending those the last couple of years, so it's like we're going to see how excited he is about this new DC. If all of a sudden he breaks the norm and starts to show up to some of this off season stuff. Right. Right. Um, which whether he does or doesn't, I mean, it really, oh, it, bothers, yeah. it, it bothers me. Honestly, it's like, well, man, they gave you the bag, be a leader. Let's go. Right. Yeah. We're looking for, we're looking for Jair to be more like that. To tell you, pack is back. <laughs> that's what, that's what, that is what we need from my man. Hopefully he's saying that walking in the door for OTAs. I'm yeah. going to back. <laughs> Peter Stone became a member of the uh, PTA Posse, the YouTube group here. Appreciate you, Peter. We'll make sure that we get you uh, included in the next giveaway, which is going to be an autographed Jaden Reed rookie card. Really nice piece of memorabilia there. Um, It's just a way that we give back to the people that are supporting the channel. So we'll be doing uh, some merch giveaways too. Obviously, the link to the merch store is in uh, the YouTube uh, video description. Um, Having to make a couple more adjustments, trying to get a new flurry of designs 
approved and make sure we're doing everything by the book legally, all that good stuff. So as soon as that gets approved, we'll get that stuff out to you again. But I know there's been a been a really, really good, really good feedback around the merch store. So it's cool. Never thought we'd have a merch store. Didn't, you know, wasn't interested in it. But when when fans started asking, I thought, hey, why not? It's been a lot of fun, man. Now I'm spending way too much money on it, to be honest. Right. With you. Yeah, no, the Shady Oaks uh, sweatshirt's coming out later this week. <laughs> uh, we need it. We need the Shady Oaks sweatshirt for sure. Anyway, people people who didn't listen to the show last night are going, what in the hell are they talking, talking about? about You'll get plenty of that on this show, I promise you. <laughs> There'll be plenty of the, I'm changing it. What are they talking about? Yeah. Milio, you got anything else, buddy, before we get out of here? No, man. Uh, absolutely great. Go back, listen to it again. Go go check out uh, Coach Hat Ads. And, and honestly, I was poking around on the site. Man, first thing that pops up, you can take a quiz uh, about, yeah. you know, like, you know, what, what are you more like for, you know, football, your fan or a coach and just kind of go through all the steps, man, give it a shot. Why not? Just learn a little. And I've always clicked fan. I think I'm going to click coach. Okay. Try to approach it. I think I'm going to try to approach it like the 33rd team. I I want this channel to be the 33rd team for the Packers. The 33rd team, they treat everything as far as gathering information as if they were the 33rd team in the league. I'd love for us to be the slappies in the building, right? Just kind of mm-hmm. sitting back doing the dirty work and, and taking care of all the, you know, digging digging through the numbers, digging through the X's and O's and trying to understand, get a better grasp of what's going on. So maybe we can approach it that way. We we may have our own website. I've had a domain for two years now uh, for Packers Total Access. So we might need to create us a website too and try, and just have a place where everybody can kind of hop in there and get content that they want, you know, breakdowns right. of defenses from previous games. There, there might be a – might be a you know validation for doing that but nonetheless we're gonna get out of here guys appreciate y'all we'll be back tonight for packers total access live again want to give a special thanks and shout out to coach chris haddad just a phenomenal guy you'll also find a link to their web website that emilio was talking about you see mm-hmm. it on the ticker earlier we've uh, we mentioned it in the chat but also uh in the description of this youtube video you'll have that link there too click on it go show them some support they got some awesome products there um, just a phenomenal guy. So uh, really appreciate his time. So everybody in here, thanks for hanging out with us. For those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go back. Go. Go.